My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. The, the entire book of Mark, we're going to look at Mark 1 intently, but the entire, the entire book of Mark is Jesus in action. Jesus, check this out, Jesus is saying so many things all the way throughout the gospel of Mark, but here's what's beautiful, and this is the part we don't want to miss. Jesus is doing a lot of things. He's saying a lot of things, and he's doing a lot of things. We serve a God who doesn't just speak things, but he cares about our hearts, and he moves into action and he does a lot of things. God, in his love, didn't stay in heaven and look down at us. He saw, God saw our depravity. He sees our sin. He sees our brokenness. He sees mine. He sees yours. And in the midst of our depravity, in the midst of our suffering, he came. He came and he dwelled amongst us. And he had a lot to say. And he did a lot with his words and with his actions. And so when we think about Jesus and we think about all that he said and all that he did, what does that mean for our lives as Christ followers? A lot of us say things, but do our lives match up? So I want to talk about 10 considerations for our lives as we get ready to look at Jesus, the chief model who said a lot of things and did a lot of things. Where are we at? So here's one. Maybe your experience of Christianity has been like a private, internal faith. I need, you to, I need you to pay attention right now and figure out where you land in this story. Has your journey with Jesus been an internal, private type of faith where you, you kind of get on the couch, you pull your blanket up, you get your, you get your coffee, or if you're not a coffee person, you get your tea and you're reading the Bible and you're content. You're content with just you and Jesus and you're oblivious to the world that's perishing around you. Or, or maybe you're the type that instead of inviting your neighbors who are a little bit quirky or maybe, you know, a little bit different than you, instead of inviting them over to share the gospel, to share your life, to share your love, you're, you're content to just pray for them when it's convenient because it's a little messy to get in their lives. Or, or maybe you don't really know how. Maybe you don't really know how to love people deeply because you've never had someone love you deeply. And you've never experienced the love of God. Do you find yourself in that part of the story? Or maybe you're the type of person that does a lot of reading of the Bible and you memorize Scripture thoroughly. And, and as you get deeper into the Scripture and deeper into your vertical relationship with God, you start to look out at the world and you look at the TV and the media and the music and you separate yourself and you're satisfied in your personal holiness. But you've but you've walked away from dwelling amongst the least and the last. 
and the lost. Or, or maybe, you're the, maybe your Christian life and the way you're living it is you do do a lot of good things and you're involved in community service and community projects. You may even be involved in all types of things through sunrise, but you're just nervous or tim- timid to really put the gospel, the centrality of the gospel in all that you do with confidence. Maybe, maybe that's you. Or maybe you grew up believing that you couldn't really devote yourself to the Christian life and do all the things that you want to do, that you couldn't really do good because of things that have happened to you. Maybe things have happened to you in church. Some of us have been hurt deeply in church, and we haven't confessed that. We haven't shared that, and we're broken, and we're wounded. So we say, we say a lot of good things about God, but we're incapable of moving and doing a lot of good things. Maybe that's you maybe you're wondering if God even cares about you because you're suffering right now. You walk in here, you, 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 you went through all the pleasantries, you said, good morning, how are you? God is good. But underneath all that, you know you're hurting. Your heart's hurt. You're, you're going through emotional things, physical things, spiritual things, but, but you don't know if God really cares or, or what he'll do. What will he do about what, will he do about what you're going through? Or this last one, which really resonates with, with, with me personally in my life. Maybe you believe you can't do the things you really want to do for the kingdom because you're struggling with an injury, sickness, some type of a disability. I just want to know how many of you right now are struggling with any type of a physical sickness, disease, injury, something that holds you back. Anybody? So, wow. I'm never, it's just always... Raise your hands high. How many of you are struggling with something that holds you back? Man, for me, I just want to share a little bit about my journey. And some of you guys know my journey, but in 2012, October 22nd at 10.35 in the morning, my life changed forever. I was 26 years old, live, doing life with my beautiful wife, and we were in ministry, being the student ministries pastor of an amazing church, and got the opportunity to get, do executive pastoring, and then I had the honor of the senior pastor inviting me to be his successor and to begin that process. And at 10.35 that morning in 2012, as a 26-year-old man, I went to see a chiropractor, and within 10 minutes, my life changed forever. There's a reason why I'm sitting and not standing. I want to stand, but one day, that's my hope. But uh, man, in that moment, my life changed. Within 10 minutes, I knew something was wrong. And the, 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 the short version of the story is w- within a month, I walking from here to where this gentleman's sitting would have been in, extremely taxing. I spent 17 hours out of the day laid out on my back. My wife had to clothe me, shower me, feed me. Uh, the last time I've held my children t- all the way up to this moment on this stage has been when they were three years old and one. My son is nine and seven. I lost everything. We lost our house. We bought a home. We were faithful. We did all the things we were supposed to do, and we lost our home. We lost all of our cars. I lost my health. I spent more time in Stanford Medical Center and USC and UC Davis than I did at home. Then I had to move away from my family to get treatment, and that was hard. And so I have lived the story of feeling like I can't do. I, I love Jesus and I'm saying about Jesus, but man, God, can I really do these good things you've called me to do? And so we all have a point in this story. We all find ourselves here at some point. Some of it, it is our sin. Some of, some of it, it's our shame. Some of it's our bodies. But here's the good news. We have good news. We serve a good God. Do we serve a good God? Do we serve a good God? 
We serve an amazing, you can clap for Jesus, clap for Jesus, yeah. We serve an amazing, glorious, majestic, all-powerful, sovereign God. And we're going to look at Mark chapter 1, and we're going to be massively challenged by the creator of the universe who's going to show us a model of how to say a lot of things about him and about his authority, to have confidence in that, but to also move into action. But before we do that, I want to share kind of how I kind of think through the Bible a little bit. And so let me, let me just talk about this. How many of you guys, let's, let's, let's participate. We're family. How many of you guys like books, reading books? Yeah, I love reading books. I love reading books. What about movies? Movies? Yeah? Movie? Oh, good. So whether you're more of the movie side or, or, or if you're more on the book side, you know how you read the book and you're reading all the way through the book and you're going through chapter by chapter and you're seeing all these little cool mysteries that are unveiling and then you get to the end of the story and it's just amazing. You're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. And then you know how you rewatch the movie or you reread the book and then you see all these details that you didn't notice the first time. Why is that? It's because you got to the end of the story. You know where the story's going to land and now you have context. You have context, right? So you are able to see what you could not see before because you have the context of where the story is going to land. Amen? So we're going to look. I want us to appreciate what's happening in Mark chapter 1. This is the Word of God. It's beautiful. It's precious. It's worthy of our undivided attention this morning, but I don't want to miss anything. And we're going to rightly understand what's happening in Mark chapter 1 better when we look at the end of the Gospels. So we're going to look at the Great Commission that happens in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. And this is Jesus sharing with us his last words according to Matthew in this Gospel. And so in verse 18 through 20, it says, And Jesus came, and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Wow. This is, this is, this is our Creator's last words to us before He went back with the Father. And I've read this verse so many times. I've memorized this verse. I've studied this verse. But man, how do we take this command, this directive, and bring it down on the ground in our lives right now? How do, how do I do that? How do you do that? Well, Jesus, in his love, he didn't just come and say this and leave. He lived and he dwelled among his people. And he demonstrated exactly what he means by doing this. That's where we're going to see in Mark chapter 1. So when we interact this morning with Mark chapter 1, we're, in, we're, we're going to interact with it in light of this command. Amen? So a couple more setup things because we don't want to miss anything. So there's two words that I want to talk about so that we can really see and savor Jesus for who he really is. And the first is sympathy. Sympathy is an internal feeling. It's an emotion that isn't activated. I want you to say it with me. Say, sympathy is an internal feeling or emotion that isn't activated, right? So it's kind of like when you're watching the news and you hear about, um, man, um, a young man or a young woman who is in a car accident, 16-year-old, dead on, dead, you know, dead on the scene, and you feel remorse, you, you're sad, 
Um, you feel things in your heart. It's a feeling. It's inside. And it lasts about 30 seconds until the next infomercial comes on. And, and the, for three easy payments of $29.99, you're going to be able to get this really, really fancy, curvy vacuum cleaner. And, and then you, you just can't believe that. That's going to be amazing. And is that really a Kirby for three payments of $29.99? This can't be. And, you're, and, then, and then and that's it. You're done. You felt something. You might have felt it deeply for a couple moments, and then you forget. But you see, compassion, compassion is, is so much richer and deeper. Compassion is sympathy that is expressed and moved into action or, or I'm, into activity or action. Read that with me. Compassion is sympathy that is expressed and moved into action activity or action. We serve a God who did not stay sympathetic for you and I. We serve a God who is filled and embodies compassion. Amen? For God so loved the world that he, that he did, he did what? He he moved. He gave. He, he did something. He didn't just stay in words. He moved. He did something. Action. Go. He didn't stay in heaven and say, it doesn't say, for God so loved the world that he stayed. For God so loved the world that he thought about it. For God so loved the world that he twiddled his thumbs. No, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his most precious thing in his heart, his one and only son, who would be filled with compassion. So as we get ready to jump into this glorious and weighty text of Mark chapter 1, we're going to see Jesus, the Son of God, filled with compassion. Now that's good news. That's how we want to enter into the Word of God. Amen? So let's look. Mark chapter 1, verse, um, excuse me, Mark chapter 1, verses 21. And so we're going to look at this, that Jesus leads in compassion. He's going to lead in compassion in this first part of the story by meeting some spiritual needs. It's going to be an amazing thing we're going to see. Here we go in verse, verse 21. So in verse 21, it says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. Now, a synagogue is what we're, this is the equivalent of what you and I are doing. We're filled into, we're, we're at church. We're, it's a place where primarily two things happen. We're here to worship, and we're here to hear the Word of God. So this is the Sabbath. This is what the people, the Jewish people, are used to doing on the Sabbath. They're entering to the synagogue, and they're used to the teachers speaking the words of God. But on this day, on this Sabbath, at this time, this wasn't going to be a teacher like they ever had heard before. <laughs> This was going to be Jesus, the God-man, in the flesh, teaching. The people were amazed at his teaching. Other translations say they were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them with real authority, real, authentic, genuine, powerful, massive, can't compare, authority. You see, when, when Jesus speaks, it's inherent. His authority is inherent in his character. It's not just what Jesus says that makes it powerful. It's who he is that makes it powerful. Jesus' power, what he says, 
comes, his authority comes inherent in who he is. See, when we speak, our, our power is not inherent in and of ourselves. It's derived from another source. You get that? Our, our power is derived from another source. And we believe, who are Bible-believing Christians and Christ followers, that that source is God, the God of the Bible, Jesus. But when Jesus speaks, his authority is in and of himself. And so the people are amazed because they've never heard teaching with such authority. See, this is good news for me and you, that when Jesus speaks, he actually has real authority. When I spent the past six years laid out for 17 hours a day on my, on my back, let me tell you what, I don't need to hear a bunch of fancy sermons, and I don't need to hear all the podcasts, and I don't need to hear all the fancy new lyrics and the, and the guitars that stream song. I need to hear from the God of the universe about what he has to say about me, because all I know is that I was 26 years old, following God with all my heart, mind, and soul, and I had plans for my life, and then everything, everything changed. And I, and I have to have every single thing done for me. Everything. My wife has to wash my body. It's the most humbling thing I've ever been through. I have to have ice packs laid from my neck all the way down my lumbar, rotated every two hours because I can't, my spinal cord is just inflamed. At that time, we thought permanently. No doctors have any answers. You're probably not going to be able to do ministry anymore. You, you're not going to be able to talk anymore. You're not going to be able to do all these things anymore. I need to hear from someone who has real authority over my life, over my future. I need to hear from someone who has real authority, not tickling my ear, real authority over my life. And that's the beauty of Jesus. God is the only one who has real authority to speak. We don't say, look, we don't say God says this and God says that based off of what we think. The only thing that we can say with authority, because our power is derived from him, is God says this and God says that based upon his word. But it gets better. Suddenly, immediately, all of a sudden, he spoke. Power. A man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with this? Well, well, when Jesus speaks with real authority, when light invades darkness, darkness has no choice but to crumble. And my mind had become dark and cloudy about who I am. Who am I? I'm not a, am I, I'm not a pastor. I can't talk. Am, am I even a father? What kind of, a father doesn't lay in the bed for 17 hours. Who am I? Well, when Jesus speaks, because there's life, there's life in his words, man, the darkness in my mind was removed over time, and I could see because of the light of his word. How many of us need the light of God's authoritative word in our lives? Does anybody need that? Am I, am I the only one? I need, your hands need to raise because you need Jesus in that way. And this is a beautiful thing. We may not have demonic possession going on right now this morning. Maybe some of us do, and we, man, man God, God can handle that. But we have dark-like things that wrap around our hearts and our souls, right? Some of us are struggling with some real things, that we, some bondages that we know need to be broken. We can relate to that, can't we? Some of us are struggling with some lust and temptation in some areas, and we want to, we want to be healed from that type of darkness, 
but the power of the, God, the, power of the word of God is sufficient. It's sufficient to, to heal you in those areas. That's the good news of the gospel. Some of us are struggling with just simple things like, man, stewarding what we eat and gluttony and things like that. All of, anything that separates you from being totally and radically devoted to Jesus is dark. Dark is what's not like him. And Jesus' word, when, when we stick to his word, when we believe his word by faith, has authority. So demons, darkness, whatever your bondage, whatever your struggle is, has no power, has no power. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. Man, demons know. But do we? Do we say that in the midst of our struggle? I know who you are. I know who you are. You're the Holy One. There came a point where I had to stop crying all the time. There came a point where I had to stop being sorry for myself all the time. And I had to say on my back, I know who you are. You're the Holy One. You're God. You brought me here for a purpose. And surely you've laid me on this bed for a purpose. Because you're God, and, you're, and you are for your glory. And, there, and I want to know, man, how I can glorify you, even in my suffering. Do you want to glorify God where you're at? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And it continues. But Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. We have to, sometimes we have to say that in our doubt. Just be quiet. Oh, I'm not, I can't. Yes, you can. God says you can. You can't. You're weak. God's strong. Christ's in you. Christ's in me. We can. Amen? Say, I can. I See, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But that's the important thing. Don't get stuck on the first part. You, can, you cannot do all things in and of yourself. But you can do things when, when you invite Christ into that. So he, Jesus says, be quiet. Come out of the man, he ordered. And at that, the evil spirit screamed. You know, this is how I, I just like, the evil spirit pouted. <laughs> That's all you can do, right? I have children, and there's times where me and, me and my wife say no, and no means no, so nothing's going to change it, and all they can do is pout, but the reality is not going to change. It's, you're not going to go outside. You're not going to play Nintendo. You can, the, the only recourse they have left is to pout, <laughs> and that's all the enemy can do. <laughs> When Jesus invades our darkness, he can just pout and scream, but he has no power. And he threw the man into a convulsion, and they came out of him. That's my hope this morning, is that some things come out of us. Amazement, amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this, they asked excitingly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. See, when the God-man speaks, Jesus, son of God, man in the flesh, who is about his glory, when he speaks because his power is inherent in himself, it's an amazing thing. Sometimes we struggle, like, how can I, how can I possibly do God's work? Well, maybe you're putting a little bit too much pressure on yourself. You're not God, and I'm not God. You need to understand that. We're not God. Some of us try to play God, and that's why we're exhausted. How about you're not God? I'm not God. I can't do anything but show up, be a vessel, be a conduit. But when Jesus speaks, he has authority. So what's our part? 
What's our part? God's part is to be authoritative. Our part is just to speak his words and to believe it. Believe it by faith. Amen? So this is the good news of what Jesus does. But, you know, I wonder, when I talk to the young adults or when I was doing youth ministry, it's so important that we allow the Bible to come to life. It's so important. Otherwise, it will just be stale. And we, and we cannot open the Bible, the living word, and allow it to be stale. We have to know that it's living and it's powerful and it's radical and it has the ability to change by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's, let's try to imagine that Jesus is here. I wonder what he's thinking with everybody so amazed. I mean, he's just doing what he always does and he's saying the things that he always says. As, as Christ followers, should our, should our posture be when Jesus, how, how faithful has he been in your life? I want you to think right now. You know where you've come from. You know what he did for you. I know what he's done for me. Don't you forget what he's did for you. Don't you forget what God's done for you. At what point do we stop acting like the people in the synagogue with amazement and astonishment like we don't expect something to happen and we start to move to immediately worshiping the God of the universe? I want to expect God to move in my suffering. I want to expect God to carry me through these three services that I have no idea how I'm going to do in my physical disability. I want to expect God when I lay between the 9 o'clock service and the 11 o'clock service in a bed that has to be transported and I'm just resting to get ready to do this again with you guys, that he's going to be faithful and allow me to speak with confidence and to be bold and to use this throat for his purposes, for his glory. I'm not up here because this is easy. This is very painful, but God is for God, and I love that God is for his glory, and there's nowhere else I want to be right now. But it gets better. <laughs> We're going to continue this story because Jesus is just getting started. This is just Mark chapter 1. What if we just stay here all day like they used to? All, but I know we're not, but we're going to look at one more thing. And so we're going we're gonna, to, that'd be, that'd be legit. <laughs> but I wouldn't be able to make it. So, so we're going to, now the story continues. So we're going to look at the next passage. And, and what we're going to be focusing on is that Jesus is going to lead now in compassion. He's compassionate God. He's not just sympathetic, compassionate. He's going he's to do something. He's not going to just say something. He's going to get involved by meeting a physical need. We saw him do something spiritual. We get to see him do something physical. That's exciting. He's going to meet, he's going to do a, he's going to meet a physical need by the power of touch. So, and, and so here's how the passage continues. So right after this amazing moment happens with the demonic possession and, and this man that's healed and, and everybody's spreading around, saying what, what Jesus has done, he, he leaves. And after Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. We have to stop right here. <laughs> so I've read this passage so many times. I read it growing up. I read it in high school ministry with my, you know, with my high school pastor in college. But I remember at some point, I think, like, I think it was in college, I remember reading this same passage that I've read and kind of just passed by. And I remember seeing it different. And I saw Simon's mother-in-law. And I remember like, well, Simon, I know that Simon's name is Peter. And he goes through the name change. But wait a minute, mother-in-law means... He has a wife, and 
what? Peter was married? And then my whole mind just was like, what in the world? I just never processed the disciples being married. I just never thought of it that way. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, whoa. And I had to go back to Mark chapter 1 and just reorientate myself to, to what Jesus is calling us to. So imagine this. Let, don't just read the text like it's just anything. Man, allow the Word of God. Get in the story. Get in the text and then live, live in the text a little bit. So hold on. There I go again. I want to stand up. So listen. Peter is called by Jesus and he says, follow me. Leave everything you're doing and follow me. Now, we know that, because we, we've read the Gospels, that they follow him for two or three years. And we know they don't have cars. And they're on some long journeys. Some of them take days and weeks to get to. He, so, so wait a minute. Peter's away from his wife and his family. And wait a minute. Peter's family's not perfectly in order. His wife's mom is ill. You don't think that Peter's wife missed him? You don't think that there were times where she longed for her husband? You don't think that Peter didn't think and long to be able to walk in some of these areas of suffering? He wasn't always there. See, how many of us, how many of us can see ourselves in there like where it's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, I love Jesus and I say that, but you know, I'm going to start to get more active and I'm going to start to do more good things and I'm going to start to get involved in my church community and, and do more life on life once my wayward kid gets better. Or, or man, I would do more good things and I would get more involved, but, but my marriage is just not, it's just not, it's, it's not perfect and I, I can't possibly do good things for the kingdom because it's, I'm just not in order, or, or I, I would do more things, but you know, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm in, I'm in school, and you know, and I got to get my degree, and, and, and when I get my degree, I'll have more money, and then, then, then I'll serve, and then I'll even tithe. <laughs> are we going to allow the Word of God to be what the Word of God is, or are we going to keep conforming it to fit our narrative? That's not what I'm reading when I read the Word of God. What I read is Jesus radically calling us to leave right where we're at, in our circumstances, in our imperfections, with all, our, all the little intricacies of our problems, and to follow him. Go, follow me. Peter, I'm aware that you're not perfect. I'm aware that your family is not perfectly in order. Follow me. Now, go. Do we, do we honor God that way? Do we go when he calls us to go? But here we get to see the Son of God in his humanity. The same God that will call you out of your suffering, your pain, your sin, your shame, is the same God that is perfectly mindful of you and I. And he is going to come back around and be mindful of the things that matter to Peter's heart and his family. But here's the key. In God's timing, because God is for God. And God is about his glory. And in his infinite wisdom, he decides, he wills when things move and don't move. I don't want to sit down for six, out, for six years laid out in, in pain from the top of my head to my toes in neurological pain, unable to do anything. But God is God. And I can say that the first day I got hurt, but let me tell you, it's taken a journey of meeting Jesus in a new way to say that before you and mean it. Now I can sit before you and say, I don't want to suffer, but God is God and I love him. 
And God in his love is doing something new in me. And he wants to do something new in you. And so we're going to see this. So, so he's now in, in the room with Peter and in the room with most likely Peter's wife and his mother-in-law who's sick because God is compassionate. They told Jesus about her, so he went to her bedside. We serve a God who gets near to us. He gets near. Isn't that good news? He doesn't stay afar. He doesn't stay up in heaven. He comes right down on the ground, and he dwells in the most broken parts of where we're at. And so he gets right up to her bedside. He took her by the hand. He touches us. He's a God of touch. He's a God of touch. For four and a half years, I had no touch. I'm just in a season of being able to embrace touch. Touch is important. <laughs> and Jesus touches us. He hasn't even, there's, he, hasn't, he hasn't healed her yet. First, he just comes near. God, I want you to heal me. Let him near you. God, I need you to allow God to come near you and to touch you. And he helped her, and, and he helped her sit up. See, God is not just calling us into service. First, he sits us up so we can get ready for service. He sits us up, and he sets us up to be his instruments. I don't care what you have going on. What I know more than anything is that God is willing, and he's able, and he's capable, and he has the inherent authority to sit you up out of your darkness, out of your insecurity, out of your timidity, out of your pain, out of your suffering, out of your brokenness, and he will set you on a course if you believe by faith. And we have a part in that as his ambassadors. We are ambassadors, and we are called to do the same things that Jesus has done. That's what he was speaking about as we come all the way full circle in Matthew 28. He says, I've done this. You've watched me. You, you've, you've watched me speak with authority. You've watched me touch. You've watched me heal the lame. You've watched me give of myself. You've watched my body sacrifice. Now go do the same. Jesus is calling you and I to say and to proclaim the renown of his name, but he's also calling us by faith to move into action and activity. Amen? So what are we waiting for? What are some obstacles that are in the way? I want to talk about five of them that I've identified one is fear and anxiety. You're afraid. Don't be afraid. God is with you. That's why you got to spend time in the Word. Know His Word. God is with us. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This isn't the, we're not at the end yet. So He's with us. <laughs> His response, if you are struggling with fear and anxiety, you know what He says? Oh, this is good news. You know what he says? Follow me. If someone tells you to follow me and they invite you into a life-on-life relationship on a date, because let me tell you, you have to like somebody to spend that much time with them. (laughs) 
If Jesus is inviting us to spend that much time and to follow, follow him, that means he loves us. <laughs> if you're struggling with sin, present sin right now, and you feel like you can't do good, and you can't say good because you feel like a fraud and a phony, man, confess to God. Get a brother or sister in your life. But you know what Jesus has to say to you? Follow me. Man, so much mercy and grace. If you're struggling with shame and guilt, which means past sin, some of us, let's just be honest, you could be doing so much more for the kingdom of God, and you could be living in so much more joy and satisfaction, but you haven't even forgiven yourself of what you've done, the thing you did at 15 years old, or 21, or 28. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. And you've allowed this thing to marinate, to fester. You've allowed Satan and the accuser to beat you up to a pulp. And God is willing and able to heal you. He loves you. He sent his son for you. He's paid the price through his blood-bought sacrifice. You're free. You're free. Say, I'm free. But you have to say it like you actually believe it. I'm free. Jesus did it. I'm free. Man, that's good news. Maybe it's pain. Physical, spiritual pain. God is able by the power and the authority of who he is to restore the most broken parts of you physically and spiritually. But I need you to look at me. Look at me. You have an assignment in the midst of your healing. You have an assignment in the midst of the work he's doing. If you're waiting on your God moment and for everything to be perfect, I do have a little bit of bad news for you. That is not the God that we serve. We serve the God that says, Brandon, I'm on a journey of healing you, but I need you to go now. And as you go, you will see me and you will savor me more. And as you see me and savor me more, that is where your healing will continue to grow. We, some, so many of us are looking for this spiritual healing when we don't understand that our healing journey starts with go. You got to go. Some of us are waiting to be healed from our brokenness and our emotions, but do you, you want to know something amazing? Get in somebody's life and start to help them through their emotions and watch how God heals you while you, while you get to be his instrument to heal others. It's a beautiful thing. I love spending time with the journey. I mean, these young guys, they're awesome. And they're always sending me all these great texts and emails like, oh, Brennan, you're, man, I'm learning so much. I'm, I'm transforming and you're helping me think so much different. These guys are fueling me. They're healing me. And isn't that so beautiful? It's just like this, this it's just a circle of love and compassion because God's actually infinitely wise. He knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Blame, last one. I'm sorry, I just love Jesus, but we're gonna, I know we gotta land the ship. Sorry. Blame. Blame. Man, some of us, we're not moving because, you know, you know in, in, in 1994, the pastor told me, and, he, and, and we, ha- we haven't moved off of, man, he's just a man. He said the wrong thing. I'm sorry that it hurt you. I'm sorry that he didn't say the right thing or, or some relationship, something happened. But here's the thing. God is perfect at his justice. And he is perfect at renewing all things. And he's renewing the heavens and the earth. 
And he's doing it, and he's doing it in his time. Trust him, but don't allow circumstances and what things are that happen to you to stop you from seeing and savoring Jesus for who he is and glorifying him and being satisfied in him and experiencing the joy that he wants to give you. You got to move. So no matter where you're at, no matter what your obstacle is, Jesus is ready right now if you allow him in, and if you're willing to go, he'll heal you. But know that our part is to be like Peter's mother-in-law. Because the story ends this way. After he set her up and set her up, what does she do? She immediately moved and served. Because when Jesus gets involved in her life, not man, not, not fancy sermons and podcasts, no, when Jesus gets involved in our lives, we have no other choice but to move. Because we're filled with so much joy and so much passion. We've got to tell somebody. We've got to tell somebody what Jesus did. Amen? Let's allow, let's allow God to do that in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have been worthy this morning of our undivided devotion and attention. And Lord, we opened up in prayer acknowledging that we have a lot of distractions in our life and there's a lot of circumstances going on, but by faith I believe that your children, myself, we were able to dwell undivided for these past 35 minutes to see and to savor you for who you are. But Lord, I'm praying with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul and all, all the little strength that I have that this would not just be another sermon that makes us feel good, and then we walk out unchanged. Heavenly Father, help us to be compassion-filled authenticators of your message. We want to authenticate it. We know it's true. The world doesn't. We want to be that conduit. But Lord, these obstacles, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke Satan right now for all of his plans and his accusations. We rebuke that, and we acknowledge that you are the Holy One. And we're going to trust in your authority. And we're going to say yes. We're going to go. And it's in your beautiful name we pray. Amen.